Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Killer Astrology, the podcast. I'm your host, Laura, and today we're talking about a killer widely known as the Grim Sleeper who ravaged his Los Angeles community between 1985 and 2007. There are 10 murders tied to our killer, Lonnie Franklin, but some estimate that number is far higher, by about 10 times actually, bringing the total past 100. How does someone get away with that many murders over so many years? We'll discuss what we know about Lonnie's crimes, as well as the societal factors that played into his case. Then we'll move on to the astrology. Lonnie Franklin grew up in South Central LA in the 1950s. This area is pretty rough now, but looking at its history, we get a good sense of why. In the early 1900s, LA was touted as a place with a solid economy and a less racist culture than other big cities in the South and the East. So many Black Americans moved out to LA hoping for a happier, more financially stable life. In the 1940s, around the start of World War II, a law was passed that made it illegal for companies producing wartime supplies to discriminate when hiring. So, with the promise of a lucrative career in a more inviting place to live, Black migration to L.A. exploded. But at this time, segregation was still very much in effect due to racist property laws, and the growing Black community became confined to a specific area of the city, which included the South Central neighborhood. Now, by 1952, when Lonnie Franklin was born, the property laws had been changed, which created opportunities for Black people to move around the city, theoretically. But segregation is about more than just laws. Lots of other systemic and cultural factors need to be changed in order to transform oppression into opportunity, and that's not a quick process, unfortunately. Now, I'm not a historian, but one thing I know about wartime jobs is that once the war is over, the jobs are typically over too. And the Civil Rights Act of 1964 wasn't passed until, well, 1964. So in the 1950s, it would have been very difficult for members of a segregated Black community to be hired for jobs that mostly existed outside of their area, making the opportunities for financial stability very slim and the chance to move out of their current living situation even slimmer. So why am I saying all of this? Well, racial injustice was a huge element in this case. All of the women that Lonnie targeted were Black, and especially in the 1980s when Lonnie first started killing, so we think, Black women were more invisible than other women, and that played into how their deaths were investigated. In L.A., the history that I just described is one of the roots of systemic racism that made its way into this case, and we just can't overlook that. Another reason I'm bringing this up is that it had to affect Lonnie's upbringing. Unfortunately, there's virtually no information out there about Lonnie's early life. But if we know more about the history of when he was born, we can draw some hypotheses. It's possible that Lonnie grew up in a financially stressed household within a community where this was the norm, and also where societal challenges were abundant. Police targeted Black communities in L.A. at wildly disproportionate rates in the 1950s, which is also when the civil rights movement began. So this was a time of discomfort, upheaval, oppression, 
all while people needed to still find ways to get their basic needs met. All of this helps me understand Lonnie's character as an adult, as well as the relationship he had to his community. Lonnie was known around town as the man who could get you anything you asked for, the man who could get your needs met. Maybe that was a trend in his family or a type of resourcefulness he learned in the army, I don't know. But the point is that he had many friends who trusted him and many friends he worked hard to support. Supporting his friends, he also earned their loyalty. Sometimes he would do illegal things to help them, and sometimes they would do illegal things to help him. In a documentary called Tales of the Grim Sleeper, two of Lonnie's friends mentioned strange things they found while helping him out, including women's underwear in a blood-soaked car and strange stains on the carpet in Lonnie's van. In the first case, Lonnie's friend was meant to send the car up in flames, and in the second, to clean up the carpet. But Lonnie was a good guy with a mild disposition who always had your back, so no one questioned these or his other requests. The mysterious cleanups that Lonnie requested weren't the first hints of criminality in his past. Before he was arrested on multiple counts of murder, Lonnie was arrested and jailed for a number of other offenses, including grand theft auto, battery, and false imprisonment. He was also discharged from the army in 1975 for abducting a 17-year-old girl from a train station before raping her at knife point with an accomplice and taking pictures of the whole affair. For this attack, Lonnie was sentenced to 40 months in prison. He served about 25% of that sentence and was then discharged from the service. He then returned to Los Angeles. When he returned from the army or from jail, Lonnie became a trash collector, which gave him an even more intimate knowledge of his neighborhood. He began a relationship with a woman he loved, but who was also addicted to crack cocaine. It's been said that the failure of this relationship is what fueled the string of killings that Lonnie would go on to commit, since many of the women he targeted were also addicted to drugs. That's one perspective, but it may just be that Lonnie knew that drug addicts were less likely to be missed, and also that they were easier to manipulate if he promised them drugs. In addition to targeting drug users, Lonnie also targeted prostitutes. He had sadistic sexual fantasies that he used them to act out, sometimes against their will. Although all of the murder victims tied to Lonnie had gunshot wounds, many of them were also strangled, and that's something he was known to do during sex. There was about a 10-year period between the rape of the German teenager and the first murder tied to Lonnie. In that 10-year span, Lonnie married a new woman and had a son named Chris. His marriage was complicated. Sometimes the couple were together, sometimes they weren't, but it seems that whether they were on again or off again, Lonnie was having sex with other women, many of them drug users or prostitutes. Sometimes his son Chris was around when they were together. In fact, one of the women that Lonnie was targeting was his son's nanny, who he would bring to the motorhome in the backyard and have sex with in exchange for drugs. This sex became more and more aggressive over time, but luckily, the nanny was able to get away from Lonnie when she quit her job. Other victims of the Grim Sleeper were not so lucky. On August 10, 1985, police discovered Deborah Jackson's body beneath an old rug on a Hollywood neighborhood street. She had been shot three times in the head and was found in a pool of her own blood. 
There had been other execution-style murders happening in and around Los Angeles at the time of Deborah's death, so police couldn't pin down a murderer. Deborah's case went cold for over 20 years, and hers was not the only one. Police found the body of another woman, Henrietta Wright, just a year and two days after Deborah Jackson's death. Henrietta was found in a similar position with multiple gunshots to the chest and a gag in her mouth. There were only a few months between Henrietta's death and the death of Barbara Ware, who died of multiple gunshot wounds in January of 1987 and was left in the streets in a similar manner. Two other women would be found dead that same year, one in April and one in November. Then in 1988, the pattern continued, with one death in January and another in September. But then Lonnie hit a little snag. Entra Washington was walking on an L.A. street one night when Lonnie pulled up beside her in his orange Ford Pinto and asked if she wanted a ride. Initially, she refused, but eventually got in after Lonnie berated her. When she entered the car, Lonnie shot her with the same gun that was used to kill his other victims. Then he raped her and pushed her out into the street, but not before taking a photograph just like he did in Germany in 1975. After Entra's escape, Lonnie seemingly stopped killing for a period of 14 years. It's this hibernation that earned him the title The Grim Sleeper. But just as bears come out of their caves once winter ends, Lonnie would reemerge once more. In March of 2002, police found the body of Princess Bertemieu, who had been missing since December of 2001. She had died from gunshot wounds and was dumped just like Lonnie's previous victims from the 1980s. She was also covered in the same DNA as the original victims, as were the next two bodies that police discovered, one in 2003 and another in 2007. Is it really possible that Lonnie was inactive between 1988 and 2002? Maybe. Or maybe he just switched tactics. Remember those pictures that Lonnie took of his victims? Well, it turns out those weren't the only photographs he took. Lonnie had a bit of a fetish for taking pictures of women in compromising positions. He would regularly solicit prostitutes, take them into his van or his motorhome, and then ask them to pose in dirty positions and take pictures. He kept these pictures in an album, which he later shared with his friends. When Lonnie was finally arrested for murder in 2010, the police searched his home and found over 500 pictures of 180 women that Lonnie had photographed for his twisted sexual pleasure. Many of the photos that he took were Polaroids or film photos, but as technology advanced, he also started keeping those pictures on his phone. As of March 30th of this year, 2020, 30 of the women from Lonnie's image collection are still unaccounted for. They may very well be more of his victims, just hidden in a different place. Lonnie was finally arrested on July 7, 2010, after police collected his DNA off a piece of pizza he was eating at a child's birthday party. Police had been trailing him for some time up to this point and they learned that the DNA they found on the bodies of his victims was a close match to that of Lonnie's son, who had recently been incarcerated. All they needed to officially tie Lonnie to the case was his own DNA, 
which they retrieved after that party. In one of Lonnie's hearings after being arrested, his defense tried to argue that the pizza evidence was inadmissible because Lonnie had thrown it out thinking it would be mixed with other people's trash, and he didn't have informed consent. But the judge wasn't buying this argument, and the evidence did ultimately lead to Lonnie's conviction. Lonnie wasn't sentenced until six years after his arrest in 2016, but at that time, he was convicted of all 10 counts of murder against him and sentenced to death. But just like Leonard Fraser, Lonnie died before his sentence could be carried out. He was pronounced dead on March 28, 2020, at 7.43 p.m., a Saturday. Why does it matter that Lonnie died on a Saturday? Let's move on to his astrology and find out. Lonnie Franklin was born on August 30th, 1952, in Los Angeles, California. He had a Virgo sun, and as long as he was born after 1230 a.m., a Capricorn moon. I won't go on and on about what I think his birth time is, but I'd go with either 730-ish in the morning, which would give him a Virgo ascendant and the sun in the 12th house, or sometime around noon, which would give him a Scorpio ascendant and put his moon and Chiron in the same degree in Capricorn. Regardless of his birth time, there is a conjunction between the moon and Chiron throughout the day, and that's important for understanding his trauma. It tells us that Lonnie had a lot of trouble expressing his emotions. The moon, which is feeling, flowing, and sensitive, is at its detriment in Capricorn, which is a rigid sign based on logic and rationality. Although the qualities of the moon and Capricorn are at odds with each other, this placement can present an opportunity to find balance between emotions and practicality. That's the goal of opposites, actually, to find the balance between them. But add Chiron to the mix, and things get complicated. The myth of Chiron is as follows. Chiron was a centaur, half man, half horse, who tutored Greek gods in the ancient times. On one unfortunate day, Chiron found himself in the middle of a battle between gods and centaurs. One of his students, Hercules, was a key player in that battle and was shooting arrows at the opposition to protect himself and protect Chiron. But one of Hercules' arrows went rogue and accidentally hit Chiron in the knee. Now Chiron was immortal and in addition to being an astrologer, was an expert herbal healer. But in this case, he wasn't able to heal himself, and it seemed he was destined to live the rest of his life in eternal anguish. The only way around this fate was to die, and he was granted this mercy by Zeus, king of the gods, who awarded him an honorable death and a place in the stars. For modern-day mortals living with the influence of Chiron in their charts, there are two ways that the asteroid may express itself. An eternally wounded soul who fears death or an enlightened soul who understands that there's a paradise beyond the pain if you're brave enough to venture into the unknown to get there. It seems to me that Lonnie was living as the eternally wounded Chiron, where expressing his emotions was the unknown that would lead to paradise, only he resisted it. Maybe this is why he acted out his frustrations in such a gruesome way. He didn't know how to express them otherwise. When Lonnie met a victim... She became an object that he could control, sexually and otherwise, and upon whom he could act out his bottled-up issues. I think it's interesting that Lonnie's vertex, 
a point in the chart that represents people that come into your life, is in very close opposition to his natal Chiron. This means that people coming into his life were opportunities to either heal or remain wounded, and he chose to remain wounded, using them as his pawns. I want to go back to the basics for a minute and take a look at Lonnie's son, which was in Virgo. There's a video of one of Lonnie's court appearances during which the prosecution is asking him how many times he's committed various crimes, like auto theft and assault. She asks him a string of questions. How many times did you do this? How many times did you do that? And when he answers each question, he hesitates, taking a minute to think about his response, even though when you look at his face, you see that he knows exactly how many times he's been convicted. He's just taking his time to think it over and craft a response. I think this is very Virgo, the analytical, perfectionistic sign ruled by Mercury, the planet of communication. Lonnie took his time to answer questions, paying attention to all aspects of his response, not just the words he used, but the way he said them and when. He took his time to communicate what he thought was the best answer for him. Seeing Lonnie in this video was proof to me that he knew exactly what he was doing every time he committed a crime, and that makes me think of how he disposed of his bodies. It seems strange to think that a highly thoughtful person would leave his victim's bodies in the middle of the street on 10 separate occasions, but Virgo is about efficiency in addition to its other qualities, and Virgos don't like to waste time. I think he knew the culture of his city, the culture of the police, the nature of the other violent crimes going on in his area, and based on all that information, he didn't feel he needed to bury the bodies. It just wasn't efficient, plain and simple, so he didn't do it. And it worked for him for many years. In addition to Lonnie's Chiron, Moon, and Sun placements, there are two others that stand out to me. The first is Lonnie's Saturn in Libra. You may remember that Lonnie strangled some of his victims before shooting them. He also strangled women during sex. Libra is an air sign and the sign of interpersonal balance, and I can't help but see the correlation here between Libra and other people's airflow. Saturn can represent constraint and restriction. For Lonnie, it seems that Saturn in Libra literally meant restricting someone else's airflow. So, I think it's interesting that Lonnie died on a Saturday, because Saturday is ruled by Saturn, who is sometimes called the Lord of Karma. I'm not sure of Lonnie's official cause of death, but I wouldn't be shocked if it had something to do with how he was taking an air. The last thing I'll talk about today is the synastry between Lonnie's chart and the charts for his place of birth and criminal activity. As we know, Lonnie was born in L.A., And I have to tell you, when I saw the synastry between his chart and the L.A. chart, I got chills. Lonnie was acting under the radar for a very long time, preying on victims who were all marginalized citizens of L.A., and then leaving them covered but out in the open in the same city for police to find. Lonnie's Saturn and Neptune are both in Libra, and they fall in L.A.'s 12th house. As I mentioned earlier, Saturn is the planet of karma, and remember, the 12th house is all about the collective experience, which is sometimes hard to pin down. 
And whatever planets are in the 12th house are supposed to bring out those themes into the open throughout someone's lifetime. Lonnie was, in a sense, bringing these problems of injustice out into the open. And it was a matter of fate that he would get caught and ultimately force the city to grapple with these issues. The most constructive use of this horrible situation is for the city to learn from it. Unfortunately, this learning had to come from shocking violence, and that was fated as well, because Lonnie's Uranus is in L.A.'s ninth house of ethics, exactly opposite L.A.'s Mars in the third house. Now, it just so happens that L.A. has a Virgo sun, and so does the state of California, both in the 11th house. This means that the state and the city both have a mission to work for their communities, to take what they learn about social issues, and create structures to enact change based on what people need. But that change needs to be based on what all people need, not just what some people need. The 11th house needs to tap into the whole community, and in this case, some unseen factors were being brought out of the 12th house so the 11th house could work on them. This mission is written in the stars for both LA and the state of California. I want to examine Lonnie's case in more depth, which I may do on a Patreon episode in the future. Once that Patreon is up, I will let you know. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Killer Astrology. Until then, remember, people may lie, but the stars never do. If you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your friends and consider leaving a five-star rating. You can follow the podcast on social media using the information in the episode description. Visit my website, killerastrologypodcast.com, for reference information for each episode and more. You can also schedule an astrology reading with me by going to killerastrologypodcast.com slash services.